0: Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Hello and welcome back. In today's bonus episode, I'm talking to three women in the beauty industry who work online, across print, and in PR. And we basically have a chat which demystifies the industry from our perspectives – talking about how they came to do their jobs, big launch events, product gifting, where bloggers and journalists intersect and where they diverge, and how adverts and sponsorships work. Here are Padita Nouril, Holly Hope Harper and George Driver. Enjoy. Hello, welcome back. I'm here with some of the most brilliant women in the beauty industry who've agreed to come and talk about the industry and some of the experiences they've had. And I have asked them, there are three of them and me, so I've asked them to introduce themselves now and explain a little bit about their voice so that you know which one is which. I'm going to start with George Driver.
2: No, I'm eating a crisp. Okay, George Driver's eating a crisp. Right.
1: Right, come on, George.
2: What am I saying? You're saying who you are. Hello, I'm George Driver. I'm Elle's digital beauty editor and I am at the end of the week so my voice is particularly low today. Okay, that's George. Now you know her voice. You know me, if you've listened to this before.
1: Let's move on to Purdy. Purdy's laughing too much. Purdy I'm is sorry. Died. I have asked <laughs> them to be very professional. Purdy is dead. But um, I think this is going to be a bit riotous. Okay, Holly. Um,
3: I'm Holly Hope Harper, and I am a BTPR and I work at Scene Group, and my voice is ridiculous. So hopefully you'll catch on. <laughs> and Purdy.
1: I'll introduce Purdy.
3: Will you introduce Purdy. No, I <laughs> this is Perdita Narill, <clears throat> beauty editor of well, Women's Health, yeah. with a lovely voice.
4: Yes, hello. Hello everyone. My accent is probably um, it's very East Anglian, shall we say? There you go. That's there you how go. you know it's me. <laughs> it's the most East Anglian t- you've ever been. I tend to drop my T's.
1: Getting into journalism is really tricky. People talk a lot about the challenges now, how it's an extremely privileged profession. So I'd like to hear first from George and then Purdy about how you got into the industry and
2: what you did. Um, So I fell into beauty a bit. Um, So going way, 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 way back to when I was young, R.I.P. me. Um, <laughs> I did a comparative literature degree at Kent, which was not my first choice. I was meant to do journalism at Sheffield, and then I messed up all of my A-levels, and Why I, did you mess
1: up your A-levels?
2: Uh, I just wasn't very good at them. Um, <laughs> no, I... Was
4: I she party to you. i that, I I, 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 she went
2: No, I basically... The, my <laughs> A-levels really streamlined <laughs> the only thing that I'm good at Mm -hmm. which was English and it really showed that I'm not good at anything else which is good for focus but bad for getting into university and I got an A in English and undisclosed about uh, other subjects so um, I had to go through clearing and I literally called the tutor on my course to beg my way into university which was real fun Mm -hmm. Um, and I'd never seen I went to University of Kent and I'd never seen it before and I'd never been there and I was just like, This will be fine. Um So then I did that. Then I worked in a coffee shop for a year because my brain had died and I saved money and I paid to do a postgrad at London College of Fashion in fashion and lifestyle journalism because I couldn't afford a master's and I didn't want to spend another year and a half, two years learning. I just wanted to sort of get more experience about how to actually write an article. I'd only ever written essays and you can't use forthwith that often in articles so <laughs> i did, um, okay. of course. <laughs> you did. just so you well. a really good bit of the course was our tutor was like really hardcore did not give a swear we're not swear. swear for it. he didn't give a fuck um well he did but he was he was a freelance writer and the an editor at id at the time and it was really good because he was harsh and was like actually gave us really good advice on how to freelance um and how to kind of try turning and write a decent cv and gave me the best advice of like your cv should not be longer than a page at basically any point until you're 50 because you haven't done enough and mm-hmm. definitely at this point haven't yeah um that's so, quite good advice because i remember yeah.
1: bulking out my cv with things like likes mm-hmm. to play tennis and go for walks <laughs> okay.
2: and things like that my cv yeah. was a dating yeah, application yeah yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> And
3: likes to play tennis it's yeah. very on brand yeah. <laughs> doesn't do it too often though
1: about yeah. uh, no, once a year I do watch Wimbledon though so. That's thought. It could have that, that on my CV
2: yeah. <laughs> and then so after that I just I basically I mean I don't know what the email version of cold calling is yeah. I cold emailed um, any magazine email address I could find that was publicly on the internet um, and I got an internship at uh in style um literally from emailing the editorial assistant um and i did that for a month which was really great um and then i interned after that at glamour which was not so great Mm -hmm. um i my parents are from like the edge of london so i lived at home and like trained that was the next
1: thing i was going to ask yeah obviously like yeah
2: yeah but like i mean i had to like obviously privilege of having somewhere to live which obviously loads people don't and Mm -hmm. I had to get the train in but I still had no money like these weren't paid internships they paid 50 pounds a week to cover your train yeah which the train I was getting it covered half of it max it didn't cover your lunch it like I remember calling Barclays to ask them to like extend my overdraft and they refused to extend my overdraft by 50 quid but they offered me a loan and I remembered crying down the phone out of, like, panic, but also being, like, at the same time, this is such irresponsible advice. Mm. I cannot believe you're trying to give me a loan, but you won't give me 50 quid more in an overdraft. Yeah. Um, I still have that problem What's that Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I got a job. I interned at this tiny magazine called Luxure, and I did that for months, and then they offered me a job as editorial assistant, and it was literally the most devil wears prada version of a job i've like that ever existed and i did still going i never
4: heard of
2: this mag oh no also it was called luxor yeah what what did we expect no 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 one's heard of it it was like the most (laughs) emperor's new clothes place that ever existed like the whole team was six people that made this magazine and it was outrageous and i did every job mm-hmm. i was like the editor's pa i was like the fashion assistant i called in all samples for like a two-day photo shoot i re- did all returns on my own i ordered printers um i had to hand deliver magazines and it had a dress code where i had to wear heels every day oh and wow. denim was banned and oh they actually God, that's thought mad yeah they actually thought i was delivering magazines around london in these heels <laughs> and i obviously took a spare bag and swapped into flats outside to deliver them oh. um it was honestly pure insanity and the most unhappy six months of my life You we paid well there for an entry-level job yes mm-hmm. i love because the fact that
3: they're going to listen to this and know that you put your flats on
2: yeah <laughs> i mean i don't think listening. it even yeah, exists 100%. anymore yeah. um and then I got an email from, in the style, from the amazing Lucy Pavia, who basically saved my career, and I love her. Mm. Uh, nicest and smartest woman ever. And wow. um, she was like, our feature assistant is leaving, could you cover, are you free to cover it? And I was just like, yeah. 100. And she was like, can you just cover it for like two weeks? And I was like, I will quit my job for that. Were you nervous about money, though? I was I'd saved quite a lot because I was still living at home when I was working. Right. Okay. And because the job actually paid quite well, because clearly they had no sense of care about money whatsoever, mm-hmm. um, I had saved quite a lot so I could afford. And like the covering the feature assistant role was paid, mm-hmm. it was an intern role, mm-hmm. um, although not much at all. And then um, that just sort of rolled over and I just sort of stayed. Mm-hmm. But I was technically a freelancer, and when you added up my annual salary, air quotes are being done, um, it added up to £12,000. Yeah. Shocking, isn't it? Purdy,
1: what about you? So, I started off actually in
4: PR. Mm-hmm. I finished uni in 2008, which is when the financial crash happened. Excellent times. Um, and I think my parents were just a bit like... had. Uh, worked in the NHS for like 50 years, and well not 50 at that point but maybe 30 30 years and we're a bit like oh my god just get a job like you just need money basically Mm -hmm. you've got this huge uh, student loan to pay and so I I did study sociology, but I wanted to do journalism. But I think I really panicked about money, so I just basically went on. I think it might have even been like Gumtree or really weird job sites and just googled like internships in London. I just was obsessed with being in London. It was where like all the you know, hot guys were. Where were you over time? Nottingham. No offense to anyone who's in Nottingham, but I've just been there for like three years and I just wanted to be in London. It was a bit more of a vibe and then so I got a job a bit more of a vibe a bit more of I got a job at a PR agency and it was I mean it was insane um, I worked for She was the, she was, like, the living, breathing version of Patsy and Eddie from Ab Fab. She was hardcore Pinot. It was Pinot paparazzi, darling. And our, like, line was, this is not a normal office. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And, but, you know, she'd sort of, she she was great in a way. Um, She just had this, I don't know, this just sort of attitude to, like, PR that was just brilliant. Mm. I mean, there was definitely some tough times. And I worked there for two years, but... It, it was a bit like George. Like, we had to do everything. So not what, only were we interns, it was me and another girl who's gone on to start her own um, agency called the Better Brand Consultant. She's great, so I'm to give her a shout-out. Eleanor, hey, girl. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, we did everything, a bit like what George was saying, mm-hmm. from, like, you know, ordering bloody paper from the printer to all of a sudden, like, putting together strategy pictures, yeah. which we'd never done, but we were kind of young and gutsy and just sort of really willing to learn anyway so i stayed there for um about two
1: years Were well, you paid well
4: so i'm gonna ask
1: this in all yeah the so i
4: actually yeah so industry. i actually was so i got it as an internship and yeah. i was just sort of like sofa surfing for one mm. of a better word mm. um with like loads of random people from uni and sort of family and and that kind of thing and it was enough to um like get by um on an internship payment and then she, when she did offer me a job i think i don't know what it would be the equivalent of which is quite bad but it was it was maybe like 18k mm-hmm. so it was kind of enough
1: like, to live on just yeah. about yeah not in london but like i no, mean but yeah just yeah to, yeah, yeah, to survive yeah to yeah.
4: survive it was like it was fine um also ten years ago. Yeah, no, it was totally fine. Like I had enough to like pay rent and, you know, get mm. drunk and that's all like any twenty one year old wants to do, right? Well, at that time, not these new Gen Zers that don't drink. Um and then after that I just went to loads of other different agencies like big corporate ones like Hill and Knowlton and it was all at like beauty PR mm. then I went to Be The Agency which is where I met Fabulous Holly Hope Harper ah. and we fell in love and became best friends yep. um, but while I was there I think I was just a bit like I can't believe I haven't given the journalist side a go mm. and I was just like I basically don't want to do any more courses so I just emailed loads of magazines and it was I kind of had connections because I worked in PR and just said like, I know I'm quite old, but I'd really quite like to intern. Would you just let me do sort of, like, one How or old two days you? a week? Well, yeah, I was 26.
1: So in the magazine industry, it's mm. funny because you get a lot mm. of fresh out of uni people trying to get in. And yeah. I think 26, although it's not that old by was... any real measure, no. it feels quite old it, yeah. to be interning but or yeah, starting. I
2: would be quite old when, compared to now, like, I interned, a, like, a year and a half after I'd finished uni. The interns that, like, the beauty the print team now have
0: Mm. are still
2: at uni like I Mm. emailed one the other day to be like by the way there's this job I heard about that I think you'd be really great for and she was like that's so nice of you I'm still in my third year completing my degree and I was just like (laughs) holy shit like they're they like start of way earlier so. yeah.
4: I was lucky enough to get a, an internship at Psychologies magazine mm-hmm. and was just sort of mentored and tutored by the really 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 brilliant phenomenal um and a Ali Rushton mm-hmm. um, who now has her own blog um, and she was like well wellbeing director, and she's just like a real powerhouse. And she's such a like supporter of women, and she's really great. And also, equally, um, the beauty editor as well, which is um, Amelie. And she was equally as fabulous. And they were just both so good to me. Um, and they, you know, I wasn't just like sorting out the beauty cupboard, it was just like, look, what are your ideas? Like, we really <sighs> want you to write for us. And it was, they were like, f- they were phenomenal, such great mm. women. And then I think after that I just was bit the bullet and went freelance and sort of like left PR and was still doing like tiny bits on the side. I was like also married at this point, so mm. I did have my husband to support me. But actually, looking back, he didn't really not in <laughs> not because he didn't want to, but he just actually didn't need to. But yeah. it was it was like I it's was a safety net, yeah. Though. And I think yeah. I, obviously, like I was really lucky to be in that position. Like, yeah. had I needed it, um, but I just ended up freelancing, and it kind of snowballed from there. The other thing was like, freelancing, as much as it is pitching, like, you do um, this thing called, like, desk cover, where it's, like, if journalists go away and they go on nice press trips or whatever, they rely on freelancers to come in and kind of pick up the slack. And I think that was also great as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did a lot of that for years, basically. So I had a baby in 2018.
1: Yeah. So you were freelance when you had your baby?
4: Yes, I was freelance when I had my baby. So, yeah, basically it was really tricky to freelance, because I had to put her in set dates. It was like, if a magazine were like, oh, we need you for two weeks, it was just like, cool, I can afford childcare for those two weeks, but then if I don't have any work or nobody's taking any pictures or I can't get any um, PR consultancy work on the side, Mm like, I'm a bit fucked in a nutshell.
1: Holly, explain how you came to do your job. I,
3: um, what did I do? I started, well, I actually did journalism degree at university. Um, I went to university totally by accident. I was dating a really dreadful Um, Man, Obviously, story of my goddamn life. (laughs) And my dad was like, darling, you've got to go to university. You've got to get a job, one or the other. What is it going to be? And I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I went to uni and I liked writing and I did a journalism degree. And then I left university and had no idea what I was going to do. And I ended up getting an internship at a in-house beauty brand. And I decided that I quite liked beauty and um they gave me a lot of room to do whatever i wanted to there i was like super poorly paid when i was an intern first and then i got a job Mm -hmm. and they gave me a page called ask Holly hope harper oh nice. my
4: god if only that's still going can now. you imagine how oh, can
3: we bring this back? i love
1: that you got a column yeah yeah, yeah.
3: i was 21 and i had ask holly hope harper but i mean that you know ask Holly Hope can i also harper just didn't... say
1: holly hope harper is the best literary
3: name ever which is, you, is why uh, they yeah. gave it to me it wasn't yeah. because of any any sense of skill talent or knowledge it was literally just they were like "Ooh, alliteration i'm sure <laughs> that's not nice. true get, but wonderful no, when i left they asked if they could keep the page Did I was they? Like, no that's just my name <laughs> so i'm gonna have to take it with me but um <laughs> but the Ask collie hope harper page gave me much more kudos than i deserved at this point like i um I did, I, they gave me like a Vogue Night Out special. You know when Vogue Night Out used to do those hmm. um, oh fa- fashion, fashion night out, like for fashion Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to those. Yeah, they, wow. gave, they
4: gave me I mean, like yeah, a... I they were in the street. Yeah, they were yeah. in the street, but, they,
3: but, but <laughs> I had a thingy up on Vogue that, where deal. you could ask me questions or whatever. And I was 21 and had no idea what the answers were. So <laughs> um, fabulous. But yeah, it was Glad totally lols. But it also meant that this startup business contacted me and offered me a job as like head of marketing and I was like 22 Uh (laughs) and obviously said yes and it was like a really great salary for a 22 year old and then from there I went on to be head of comms at like 24 for the most incredible brand I had no idea what I was doing but I got given this amazing opportunity which I failed at miserably Um, but made lots of contacts and met lots of wonderful people and realized that the beauty industry was definitely an incredible place to be and just kind of went on from there. Um I've started working for Claire Ford PR, which is great. B mm-hmm. obviously where I met Purdy and now at Beauty Scene, but I feel like I've just done that really quickly. But I guess when I was interning, what would I say with yeah, things that were. A how did you afford to live? But you're a Londoner, right? I'm a Londoner, so that I definitely, you know, I lived in zone two so it was super easy for me but i also really wanted to earn money really quickly i was you know at the age of 13 all i ever thought about was moving out of home so being 21 and still um kind of you know being in my childhood bedroom was um annoying for me but i understand that really does highlight being overprivileged but um job interviews that i went for i went for one as an escort (laughs) <laughs> what yeah so, so desperate was I to earn some money that I went to basically I saw this interview something about like uh entertainment or whatever mm. I was like well I'm entertaining <laughs> I was just going to check it out so I got there and it was down a little alleyway in Green Park and it was a Club that was ultimately underneath a hotel and had lots of different dark little booths And I got the job, by the way. As it turned out, um, you basically, when you arrived, you had to be wearing low cut top and open toe shoes because apparently men like tips and toes. And you'd stand <laughs> wow. at the bar and they would pick you, and then you would go downstairs with them and have a nice time. And if you then wanted to engage in any more exciting activity, you'd go up to the hotel. Oh my- God. god
2: yeah so i went for this job interview it's not over the toe part though. no i mean i
3: tips some toes babe the toes. i um, i'm need to you need know. open toe
2: shoes what
3: the fuck how did i not know this about you maybe i did i, I think you probably did yeah. Blacked it out um and <laughs> i but now it's been recorded for how uh, long did you do it for well, for posterity I it. there, Prosperity, huh? yeah. yeah i didn't do it so i went i got the job they took yeah. a scan of my passport which i'm still very concerned about even though that was like 12 <laughs> years ago and um And I went home and I have to say shout out to mum because this is one of my mum's like best bits of parenting because mum is very protective of her kids and always is like over eggs the advice that she gives. But I got home and I was like so I got this job and like I stand at a bar and I'm going to have to wear that dress and I was thinking I'd wear those shoes and then they take you downstairs and well yeah it's underneath the hotel and whatever. And she was like, okay, darling, sure. And the next day I woke up and it was, you know, six in the morning because I had to go to my internship. And I was ironing my sluttiest dress and I pulled out my sluttiest shoes and I was just crying my eyes out. And I said, mum, I don't want to go. I don't want to have sex with men for money. And she said, okay, darling, don't go. And I didn't. What but
1: amazing that, relationship that was, you have with your
3: mum to say that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But I was so desperate to earn money that that's what I wanted to do. And I have to say that until I was about... 26 I worked in nightclubs every weekend Did you? because wow. it was never yeah like a Friday I'd start at 8 and I'd finish at 6am or whatever. Wow. But you've got to do it haven't you? <laughs>
1: To the beauty and streets. So mm. all of us have literally said we had a good experience. That kind of you know someone took a punt and yeah. helped us out, right? Yeah. So there is a good there are good people in the beauty industry. There's a good side to it. It can be really nourishing, mm. very lovely environment. Mm.
3: But I want to talk about the other
1: side. So
3: yeah, I was about to say, I don't know if that is exactly
1: okay, the case. Fine.
3: They definitely are there. because but... They definitely are there, but I feel like George and I both were put in positions to begin with where we were maybe taken a little bit advantage of because yes. it's like, we were so open to doing whatever. Mm. And as much as having an Ask Hope Harper page was an amazing experience yeah. and definitely led me on to greater things. Like, I I was doing business pitches for, like, huge thingies at 21 years old to try Mm -hmm. and bring millions of pounds into this business. I had no idea what I was doing. We're like, okay, cool, adversity can cope, but it isn't necessarily... They weren't... People
1: weren't taking a punt on us. People were taking advantage. There is a Devil Wears Prada side to it. Mm. People ask about this. There are people who abuse their positions... I know that Holly, you probably see more of this being on the PR side of people, kind of yeah. maybe calling in bigger favors or kind of acting diva Without naming names, do you see that kind of behavior?
3: Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, do you think that they are aware of their is that aware?
2: I think some of them have got so used to it that they don't think yeah. it's out.
4: Is it mostly the old god? Let's, yeah, let's but put it that Context way. in yeah. the context in that I think beauty journalism particularly is that they were ridiculously spoiled you know it was like every christmas like what chanel handbag would you yeah, like yeah, or, yeah. and like it's not like that anymore so yeah. because you know brands are cash strapped and nobody knows what the fuck and media even so need anymore yeah, yeah. so yeah, I just think that's it plays an important and part. And the internet of it. age, it yeah, it was, yeah, it was people though, indulged. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you I know, do because... think
2: part of it as well as like the gifting side of it. I do mm. think part of it is like the industry has changed, so it's much a much quicker turnaround. Mm. Even like for my generation, it's like the old old guard, if you will, or like the kind of last few beauty directors they've been doing their job for 15 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I do think that makes them amazing at their job and they have a huge amount of experience, but it's something that won't exist anymore for our generation. No, right, right. So, and yeah. I do think there's a level of that um, kind of being so much more senior in the industry and perceiving Mm -hmm. yourself that way that you expect to be treated differently to others and even if people become new beauty directors now there's definitely an air of like but you're not the same like you're not the same as the the others you haven't been there have you
1: have you george and purdy have you had that kind of not snobbery leveled at you but have you been in situations where people have kind of treated you a bit like you're the junior even though you're doing a similar job
4: yeah. yeah. There's yeah. definitely there is definitely an undercurrent
2: yeah. of hierarchy.
4: Okay.
2: Like I mean there's a direct hierarchy which isn't necessary in a team and then yeah. there's a next level of like personal yeah. so
1: i once walked into a room at a launch and um launches are funny old things because it's almost like forced socializing with work
2: people yeah. where
1: it wouldn't happen really in any industry I can my think boyfriend
2: of. says that i speed date women three times yes. a week and leave things yes yeah, so yeah. you go out you're put into like a room Excellent. either for yeah. breakfast
1: or lunch or just to kind of you know just He's standing like, and then around.
2: you just you go for breakfast and then you just leave and they pay and you're like yeah Yeah, and he's like, that's so weird. It's really, but it's
1: weird because it wouldn't happen really in any other industry. And I remember walking into this room, and there were like, you know, the famous beauty directors who Mm. most people would know, you know, the big beauty people, then some bloggers, then some people sort of who are beauty writers, and then a couple of assistants. Mm. And I remember Mm. in particular, one assistant was, so people had sort of clumped off, Mm. and there's one assistant standing in the middle of the room. Holding her teacup, and mm. no one was talking to her. Yeah, literally no yeah. one. And I remember, and and I I've went over and talked to her. her. Yeah, been. I've been
2: oh, that person too. I've perfected the champagne loiter. <laughs> you get your phone in one hand, you get the free champers in the other, and you're, you pretend to be so absorbed by your phone that it doesn't matter that no one is talking yeah. to you. Yeah, but that will happen. And you wait right? it out for twenty minutes. You look at the product and you leave. Yeah, yeah. and you're texting your person that you like in real life, saying. I'm doing it again, I'm standing on my own, and they're like, you can do it.
4: Yeah, and like, it's definitely a (laughs) thing. Yeah, it's a thing. But I do, but like, I like to, I also like to believe the good in people, in that, like, I get you've um, all might have just had a long day, we're really Mm. tired, and you can't be asked to small talk. And like, you know, if you are there, you do just want to talk to your mates and you can't be bothered with the niceties, which actually, maybe, is probably a bit mean, Mm. but it's. Yeah, it's a tricky one where you're like. People,
2: it, yeah, I like you said, they're not deliberately not talking to you. No, they just possibly haven't noticed you. Yeah. It's also, I mean, slightly like worse if they don't know who you are, they're not going to go out the way to speak yeah. you. Yeah, but I think or, that's yeah. what's, that's what's worse. Also, actually. there is a certain onus on everybody else in that room had to do the initial first talk. Yeah. And that person floating mm. needs do to do it as well. Yeah. Like,
3: journalist to journalist, that's one thing. But like, if you've come to a launch, I would never leave someone standing on their own.
4: So this was obviously brought up on Essay Laundry as well, Mm. in that um, there was lots of screenshots of, like, press launches and then Mm. people replying, saying, like, oh, I've heard it's really cliquey. Mm. And it's just, like, I've just... On one level it might seem like that to the outside but also like people are just friends and mm. I think the bad thing about mm. social media is that it highlights everything so it's just like it can be perceived in a certain way that it yeah. might not be at all but equally it could be that somebody goes to a launch and is not friends with that certain group of people and then they feel like shit because ultimately that group of people aren't very warm but and aren't very it's a bit encouraging
2: it's a bit like being at school can, yeah. Yeah. but like Estee Laundry's whole thing of like oh and they just invited their mates like But those people didn't know each other outside of the industry. The reason they're friends is because it's such a small group of people and there's so many events that you get to know people and the way to survive is to find your person, Mm -hmm. make friends with them, Mm -hmm. so next time you go to an event, you're not the floater in the room.
3: Ninety percent of my best friends are in this industry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I feel really lucky. I just you know, I've worked with a load of incredible, brilliant, intelligent women who are Mm -hmm. interested in similar things to me. Like I've got like literally three mates who are not in the industry. <laughs> I, have, I have worked in it for a long time, but like I do, yeah. like I just, yeah. you know, and I genuinely, the friendships I have are genuine. They're mm-hmm. not, it's not a work thing. Mm-hmm. Like it definitely goes beyond that, but mm. I do feel like I'm one of the lucky ones with regards to that, or one of the unlucky
0: ones. Mm. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side?
1: Yeah, let's talk about essay laundry and let's say tattle life too. I don't want to sort of home in on I one particular really thing. I don't know anything about tattle. Life. So I
4: went on it once, I'm and I was old. like, "This is really confusing. I don't. How do people have time for this? It's yeah. just it like, like a word forum? vomit. It's
3: basically it's like, like, it's like mum's a very net, bad so mum's people net. can start feeds where they talk shit about people.
1: So basically, places that yeah. are anonymous, let's say, and trying to take down people in the beauty industry because, yeah. let's face it, the beauty industry. And beauty journalists and beauty bloggers are people who are sort of in the public eye and doing a job that is made to be consumed by the mm. public. So the defence of sites like that is, well, we're mm. sort of talking about people who've put themselves out there. Obviously, this this is notwithstanding if they're talking about their private lives or anything like that, but people dissecting work, mm. they're saying, well, that's fine because, you know, a journalist's work or a writer's work is made so to be dissected. How do we, you
2: feel? We spoke about it the other day and I said that, Some of what Estée Laundry does, I think, like, although I would be devastated if I was on there, I would take... I would consider it and see if what they had said was something that I should be reflecting on my own work. Mm. Obviously, being, like, a white, like, straight woman in the beauty industry is no surprise and not really a different perspective. So if I did get called out for having kind of misstepped about something, I would definitely try and reflect on, like, how I could learn from that. Yeah. However... I do think that they position themselves as this unbiased investigatory board, it's if you will cautious. and and it is because they have pretty superficial journalistic tendencies mm-hmm. where they will happily repost random people from Instagram's thoughts and feelings and it's like did, you asked Instagram if they were unhappy and Kelsey Preeze they said yeah we are unhappy mm. and you posted it and mm. I do think there are things where your whole aim is to call out bullying in the beauty industry and you're happy to repost a load of strangers saying you're a bitch about someone yeah. that to me seems to it's
1: a bit continue like I, that yeah.
2: cycle it doesn't seem to be calling out bullying yeah. in the industry to allow that as something you've said is fine
4: Uh, and I think for every good thing they do it is totally marred by like this whole trolling aspect and there's definitely certain people in the industry that they seem to go after a lot more than others and I just think that strikes me as like that's when it becomes personal and also yeah you really have no idea what people are going through in their personal lives Mm -hmm. and I just think it's it's really it's so it has the potential to be really really dangerous mm-hmm. and for as much as I know that like, their latest campaign is to really call out mm. Mecca Cosmetics in America and and it's I guess it's been kind of eye opening in a way in that you know Mecca it seems like they should be held accountable to supposedly like mm. these stories and that's fine because it's a big brand that you are questioning but I think when you make it so personal it's not that people shouldn't be held accountable for their actions but it's just like
1: I don't know, it just, it just, it feels icky, it doesn't But everyone's well. a person, and
2: therefore fallible.
1: And yeah. so I think exactly, it's one yeah. thing to say, yeah, that was a bit of a mistake, and quite another to be
2: like, their whole career is a joke, this whole... Yeah, yeah. but even if you that, said yeah. that, there's no answer that's good enough. No, reply so, that when people, justify yeah, so
4: when people do sort of, yeah, give their reasons, like most of the time they... I always find that, like, if someone is defending themselves, they never repost that. Mm. And then it's often you have to look on that person to see yeah. their defence, mm. and then it's just, yeah. like, how many
1: people are making that connection. Completely, yeah. And it's also fine to say I've dropped the ball on something yeah. like that. I mean, yeah. everyone does that, right? And also, yeah.
4: like, I just... I find the whole, um... They won't
3: reveal who they are yeah. just sort of quite... I kind of understand why they do that, though. But I, I do think... think- so- I, I do think I do think that there are there are things that Estée Laundry have done which I've been really like delighted by. Same. They could be anonymous, and I think that's cool, and I understand why they have to do that. But I do obviously. I but think then the they way can't be held treated, accountable. The way they've treated yeah. people. But if they weren't treating people badly, then we wouldn't need accountability. We would just need someone to say, uh, you know, white editors. If there isn't a black editor being invited to this press strip, you should probably turn it down, like yeah. or whatever. It's like, yeah, cool. I'm really pleased that
1: we're looking to do things like this. So if we were Estee Laundry, sitting here, not anonymous, what issues would you want to call out in the beauty industry?
4: God, loads. So absolutely, I don't think that it's diverse enough at all. Um, I think... uh, In any sense of the word. In any sense of the word. um,
1: I think... How would we solve the diversity thing? Do you
4: it think it's good to, to have a quota, or do you well, think it's... no? That has to that has to come from like companies. So, for example, Hearst, where we were, not, mm-hmm. not even
2: companies. It needs to start so much lower down. Yeah. Like you need to have programs in place to encourage students from lower income areas to go to university to study mm. creative courses yeah. where there isn't such a direct financial yeah. route mm-hmm. where you have the freedom to be more creative because you've got that subsidised you know income and then once they do that you support them and you give them that education to go through routes that aren't just like cold emailing Mm. there's organizations that encourage them and then the companies also consider wider pools of where they're hiring from like we all know nepotism exists within the beauty industry the pool is very small and if you You need to widen the pool that you're having applied for the jobs to be able to hire them.
1: What about packaging? I think that that's a real issue. Holly, what's your stance on that? Packaging. Yeah, just excessive packaging. Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, we were, uh, Purdy and I, before we started recording when you guys were upstairs doing your makeup, (laughs) uh, we were talking about packaging because I met this lovely chap uh, who was talking about a brand that's coming out at the end of January, which is trying to put as little or trying to have as little negative impact on the planet as possible and we were just talking about how that kind of doesn't really feel like a possibility because mm. that's, like, that's
1: ultimately
2: if you vibe. produce one yeah.
4: product you have made an impact somewhere along the line it, it just yeah. comes
2: down to don't make anything
3: at yeah. all then. there needs to be some consumer like learnings or teachings or whatever mm. one, a brand that I work with Um, are looking at making all of their packaging glass Mm. which apparently has more of a negative impact on the planet than plastic does because it takes so much um, more to create it Um, Mm -hmm. but because consumers want to feel like they're doing something good for the environment they're going to give them the glass even though it's going to have that Mm -hmm. negative impact so it's that really difficult like actually we just need to sit down and have a frank conversation but nobody Mm. really listens you know we have this issue at work all the time we all talk about recycling but no one can be bothered to rinse the um you know the salad box that their salad came in and that goes into the recycling bin
2: and then that means that none of that stuff can be recycled right yeah
3: it's
2: just um but do you do you feel pressure like when you do mailers which is like when you send products to press do you feel pressure to like put them in like fancy boxes and boxes and boxes because i really appreciate kind of when I get ones that aren't doing that because I mean... For the environment for space for my time and I think the era of kind of Instagram yeah. was is over yeah. and yeah. balloons and stuff but I, yeah. I can imagine that on your side there are clients who are like why aren't we getting people to Instagram this big mm. balloon you yeah. sent out <laughs> the <laughs> balloon
4: the big
2: balloon <laughs> I think I was actually going to say earlier when we were talking about
3: you know Devil Wears Prada vibes and like what journalists received 15 years ago and what it was to be a PR then when you were able to be a bit ab fab um, mm. versus what it is now and now it's so much more strategic and like being a PR you have to think about you know, the planet, the consumers the way that people want to shop, the way that brands want to be represented how that is going to live on in six months time whether it's going to be interesting on Instagram and I think definitely like I don't send out mailers you know and if we do we always try and make sure that you know everything's recyclable and that it's cycled to you rather than put
1: on a car and all of those things can you can you quickly explain so for people who are listening who you know wouldn't know what a mailer is or why they're sent out can you explain what your job is and how you interact with journalists yes and bloggers
3: and bloggers. So if so, I am a beauty PR. So if I'm launching a beauty brand uh, into the market, ultimately, I need to get as many, um, you know, informers, industry informers, beauty informers to talk about the brand in a positive way and to kind of deliver the messages and why that brand is important. So the the initial um, the initial wave of that is always to talk to print media because you want to get it come out in the magazine when the product comes out in the shop so for purdy for instance i would need to give that to her three months before it comes out yeah george it's a little bit shorter because obviously she's online yeah um and uh and so yeah you need to deliver something that basically people are going to want to talk about and is going to represent the brand and the product particularly Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know or or back in the day that would be like something really super magical and amazing and huge and cost thousands of pounds to make and is incredibly wasteful because you'd want to get it on Instagram and uh, you'd want people to be excited by that but now it's much more about or at least I'd like to think it is but for us at Beauty Scene, and for me personally I think that brands there is always a story and there's always a reason why they're launching something. There's always, you know, is it the efficacy? Is it that it's necessary? Is it that it's giving back? And, and really talking about that because we're all way smarter than like a snazzy balloon and a cake.
1: And is that where press trips and breakfast... Amen.
3: (laughs) Sorry.
1: And is that where press trips and, um, say, breakfast with the press come in?
3: Yeah. So, like, a press trip, I think, if it's done properly, can be really interesting and informative. And if a brand, especially if a brand is new to market, you don't... you, You want to get people on side and really tell them the story and teach them why that brand is what it is Mm. um and i think just to interrupt this is another
4: thing that sort of like estee laundry have gone to town mm. on it's like oh you know look at them getting wined and dined but actually and i'm not saying that we are you know kind of really spoiled with these because we are but also essentially um so for example the press trip i went on last week with dr haushka which you also it was like we did two big workshops and like fair enough we weren't all instagramming but that was because it was you know a
1: uh, getting mm. to know the brand yeah, you, you immerse activity. yourself in a brand yeah. you learn about yeah. them you meet the people who founded it yeah. you meet the people who work for it so yeah. you know the culture of a brand yeah, totally. on and you learn about all the amazing things that they yeah. do and also mm. you are there
4: to challenge them and question them so that you figure out whether they are worthy enough to be written about in yeah. your publication yeah. so I think as much as it looks like a jolly and you know don't get me wrong it's not a hardship yeah. but like there is work that goes into
3: it it's not a hardship yeah. but five nights a week which is what it could be versus seeing your daughter yeah
4: yeah, totally. or, yeah, you know, yeah.
3: Whatever, whatever, doing the things that you want to do, seeing your boyfriend,
4: your It's partner. very much work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's yeah. Very, very much, much work. work. I
2: do think people underestimate, like, you have to be willing to have a job that doesn't have set hours. Yeah. Like, obviously, a lot of those hours are doing lovely things. But when you consider um, that combined with, let's say, fashion months twice a year, where I work every weekend. So in February and September, like, I don't see my friends, or my boyfriend, or my family for entire weekends for a month both twice a year Mm. add to that like three evenings a week are doing work events Mm. rather than seeing people who i call real life people Mm. um (laughs) you know like other people do when you combine that with the lower salary Mm. by like you know i'm 29 like by my age when you have friends in other industries that have a set nine to five on a higher salary Mm. and their time is theirs to use they're not shooting at the weekends they're not being whatsapped about doing a story when they're on holiday like
4: yeah their yeah.
2: time is their own and that you do start to value that and although the things you do can be fabulous and you go to amazing places that you wouldn't be able to afford Mm. sometimes you do kind of envy the people that could maybe afford to go to a less exotic place but in the time they were there they wouldn't have to do any work or speak to anyone yeah Yeah. all of my friends
1: all of my friends can afford to go to all the places i go only they go there on holiday because they work on jobs where they earn more money Yeah. yeah so i always say you know, it looks amazing on Instagram. And, of course, as we've all said, there are... I mean, it's an absolute privilege to go to beautiful places. But, yeah. yes, you are, you're you not there with your partner no. or your children yeah. or whatever. You're there with work people, yeah. albeit some of them were definitely likely to be friends. But you're still there with work people mm. and you couldn't afford to go there yourself <laughs> yeah. because yeah. the jobs are poorly paid. So, you know, there's a flip side. And, and your like, time isn't your own, is it? Like, no. You know. Could you explain, though, Holly, about um, what you expect in return for what you expect in return <laughs> for sending things out and for taking people on press trips because so my experience of it is that you'll never get an invitation for a press trip saying could you please come on this press trip and we would like to be involved in three articles you're writing it's mm. always please come along enjoy the brand rules, so what what is the payback from a pr perspective what do you expect i can't speak for every single pr on the planet obvs
3: but from my perspective. I would like to think that if I've invited someone somewhere or if I've gifted them something or um, we've agreed to have, you know, a meal together where I'm going to present them something. Basically, the return is how good my pitch is. And if it's not good enough, then mm-hmm. I don't get it. And I, I, I just think, you know, you, you're taking someone on a trip, not because it's a, a like, you know, an exchange, like yeah. I'm paying for this. So can mm-hmm. you do this? It's like I'm taking you on this trip. I'm taking you out of your personal time because this is the best way for me to tell you this story, which I hope is going to inspire your feature. And I think, like, you don't go to anyone with the same thing. Like, Mm -hmm. what you would say to, uh, you know, an L versus a women's health are are two different things because they've got two different audiences. And obviously, you
1: have to understand that as a PR. Can I ask you as well, um, if there were someone listening who's a new blogger or, you know, maybe a journalist working for a less known publication... How could they get in touch with you to learn about your products? And would you appreciate someone cold emailing you? To borrow from George, <laughs> you invented a phrase that doesn't exist. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Have it, honey. Um, I we get a lot of cold emails. Okay,
1: de- definitely,
3: oh, really, like a day, dozens and dozens. Um, a question
4: do you think that's because people new new kind of new age bloggers i want to say but see all the gifting for influencers which is totally different yeah, to press and think god I want a bit of that it looks yeah, so yeah. easy mm. and they just sort of try their luck
3: i definitely think there's an element of that like there are some people we get quite shirty emails where they're like send me this immediately and if you don't respond then they send like 50 emails to every single person they can find in the agency or they'll find like your line manager and try and email them and say like I can't believe this person hasn't come back to me and oh, it's like you've got 46 followers and the only
1: things you've ever posted are your dog and we love dogs but <laughs> if someone yeah. wanted to get in touch with you and let's say you know they don't want freebies but let's say they want to start okay I'll give you an People example want of a person. To get into the industry. I want to start a beauty blog let's say I need some product to do, do that do you? <laughs> shut up <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) I need some products because Mm. I can't afford products, but I would like to write a blog. So I'm thinking, okay, look, you've got some brands, like I'm not asking for you to send me millions of pounds worth of stuff, but I'd like to reach out and maybe we can start a relationship. What would be the best way to do that?
3: I would say, what are the things that make us want to work with ultimately like micro or brand new um, bloggers, Mm. influencers, communities, whatever. Mm. I think that what we you know what what we kind of went into the blogosphere for and what we're always looking for is is kind of a sense of authenticity and really like owning your space and bringing something new i guess if you are just literally doing fifty thousand swatches and just calling in every lipstick that's probably not gonna offer anything to our brands but if you are building a community that is super interesting and you're you've just done that naturally through the things that you're interested Into. in like then there is value i mean you've got to bring value because yeah. it's not as much as it's free product it's not free product it's someone's business and whether you're working for a unilever where there's you know it's a it's a big business or you're working for a niche brand that have paid for every single individual sample that they're sending you have to be considerate it's not just as easy as mm-hmm. chucking it out the door
1: George and Purdy, mm. Mm. both of you get sent an astonishing number of these products yeah. to test. Yeah, I want to know how you navigate what you think is worthy of making it onto your pages and how you navigate that because everything can't make it onto um, your face, everything can't make it onto no. your body, well aware of that. Mm. So what do you do? How do you go about, you know, separating the wheat from the, is it the chafe? chaf, I believe it's a chaff
2: <laughs> chaff I think is something that happens between my
1: thighs and I can't pronounce it. So, um... I, can't, I can't pronounce anything I can only spell things so I have
2: to check okay. um... <laughs> if I'm I am ever an influencer that that's no, 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 going to be no. the name of my blog wheat okay, from the chaff. <laughs> and it's me eating bread and testing out type <laughs> so for
4: me yes yes I do get sent an overwhelming amount of mm. products every day I do try test as much as possible Mm -hmm. but I think when it comes particularly for the women's health audience because they are super interested in the science Mm -hmm. um, and like they, my audience in particular is very results driven Um, and also like we do lots of like reader surveys and we find out exactly what they're interested in so it's like that's how we come up with our feature ideas Mm -hmm. or you know we look at social trends and we're like how can we make a feature out of this and then if there are products that fit into that Um, that's how they make it onto the page or if they're for example like CBD skincare I mean this is sort of cross the board for all brands at the moment but because it is so huge it's just like cool there are lots of brands launching and you know what do consumers need to know about these like how do we, you know... Separating the
1: wheat from the, from the chase. Exactly.
4: So whether that's, like, testing... Incredible. Or whether that's working with loads of independent experts. Mm-hmm. Like, I call on every university going. Mm-hmm. Um, so many independent dermatologists. Like, it's not just like, oh, I've tried this product and it right. feels really nice on my skin. Like, yeah, so much research goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, sometimes readers or consumers or just fans of the beauty industry might not understand how much work goes into a
1: feature but that's specific to my audience because Mm -hmm. that's what they expect. George Mm. you're much more covering things that are coming out Mm in newness Mm -hmm. as well as features so how do you navigate it?
2: Yeah so obviously like online we have like a very swift turnaround and Mm. endless sort of product recommendations Mm. and just as Elle we're kind of more trend-led rather than science-led although our reader is interested in kind of things being cruelty-free vegan sustainable and you know obviously effective um kind of more than ever I would say I mean just the practical task of going through post is is quite a lot um (laughs) I basically every day leave work with swatches all over my hands all over my face Mm -hmm. like I quite recently stopped wearing makeup to work because I had an allergic reaction to a product I swatched on my face, which is, you know, the pitfalls of doing that. And Mm. it doesn't happen often, but actually it's quite good because it means that if skincare comes in, if foundation comes in, I just try things straight, basically on myself as a canvas. And it does have like, you know, although new niche products are like, I, I take an interest in them. Obviously, if there's a brand that I know and I like already, kind of I'll be like more maybe committed we start to, to get a nose it. for it yeah you? exactly while, you start
1: to be able to and, see things mm, and i'll sort of immediately said,
2: yeah. swatch and then if i like it it kind of moves from it doesn't go straight into the cupboard it moves from there to like my desk edit and then mm. i'll try the lipsticks out and they'll move into my handbag skincare i'm like quite strict with like my own stuff at home mm. um i i kind of get this feeling like because I am very lucky and I get sent a lot of stuff at work. I feel uncomfortable just gathering endless things at home. And yeah. I like, I sort of have a one in one out policy where...
1: You're I, very good at that. And you make Instagram TV videos <laughs> where you'll say, I'm sort of yeah. switching this out for yeah. that.
2: Yeah. And I either finish it or I switch it out because I don't like it. Right. Okay. But if I like it, I have to finish it. Yeah. And I don't have multiples and I basically have one for like one product for every category. It feels
1: like that's very timely though because at one point it was like people would sort of show off their shelves and how heaving they were and now it's almost, that, almost that, like... It stresses it, me out if there's bit, a product yeah.
2: in my house that I'm not using. Yeah, yeah. But also there's no way I'm going to get a realistic read on whether the product is effective if my face likes it my hair likes it if I've used it one Once. time in the past yeah. month yeah, and yeah, yeah. flitted between all of them also the people who are reading it I always think this that I have to integrate it into my life
1: as if yeah. I've gone out to buy it from a shop mm. because yeah. the people who are reading will do that or you know listening or whatever it is however they're getting their yeah. information will go out and buy it and live with it in the way that I used to before I worked in the industry. So I live with products like that. They go on. I may have more of yeah. them, but they kind of... I um, use them until they're done and try to get a sense yeah. of what it feels like to use the product
0: to the so end. So, like,
2: they go to the bedside table, they go to my yes. sink, yep, yeah, yeah. they go to my mirror, if it's hair products or whatever, mm-hmm. and I do use them until they're finished. But also, there is something, like, obviously, that sort of the edit I've taken from work that I know works for me, I do try and give the women in my life quite a lot of products that can have a different perspective you know i only have one skin type one hair type one skin tone yeah if it's you know i don't use a lot of acids on my skin because i've got quite sensitive skin but Mm -hmm. there's women i work with that are quite acne prone and Mm -hmm. they love salicylic acid Mm -hmm. so i'll give them a product and they can sort of kind of in turn review it for me and i'll Mm -hmm. check in with them yeah because I am limited in my perspective of products, so mm. I do try to kind of seed it out to people that I can then check in with to try and get a more... Yeah, I do that. I've got, I've,
1: I, my skin is prone to acne, but my sister's got really dry skin, so she tests exactly. all the dry skin yeah. things and comes back to me. Um, want to talk quickly about bloggers versus journalists, mm. or rather the Logos kind of and journalists we're not verses. no but yeah. is there no the reason I put verses in is because is there a verses now or I don't think so or is there so but much of a crossover yeah, no. with Instagram okay Purdy you think there is yeah go on
4: why do I think that
1: though <laughs> um... hmm.
4: Because I think, I, but I think it's okay to say that because there is room for everybody, but I think they are two very much separate things. So, for example, I am not beholden to a brand, although it, it sounds ridiculous, but I'm not, because, just because they are an advertiser in Women's Health, like, we have editorial... Control, control. what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's like, although they might very well be an advertiser, and mm. that is, um, you know, specific special relationship. Yeah, though, well, yeah. It, on that yeah. that's definitely made um, aware to me, but that doesn't mean that, like, if I don't think it's particularly good or that I have to put it in. Yeah. Whereas I think influencers now, particularly the big ones, it's like you are paid for a certain amount of um, money mm. for a post and therefore you have to say... That it's a good product.
1: But you have to
2: disclose it now, which is good. Yeah, because, yeah,
4: yeah. I do think it's good. But yeah. playing um, devil's
2: advocate, mm. you don't get to choose the people that do advertise, and there are pressures to include those products. But for me, I
4: no, don't actually. Maybe think not a like, but, but definitely I, other I really brands.
3: Don't would imagine that you were almost.
4: I think a reader thinks that... I think a reader actually doesn't doesn't always realise how much editorial control we do have. No, but, I mean,
3: if you're a reader no. and you see an advert mm-hmm. and you see editorial, as far as we're concerned, women's health are aligned to those brands. So even though you don't mm. necessarily back them, yeah. your
2: readers still think that they're... And also, I do think you're an exception. I think a lot of other titles are much yeah. more behind. Yeah, I whereas, thought, like, yeah. a large blogger could be at the point where they are so on top of their game and so successful that actually they're rejecting a lot of projects that don't work for them and the ones they choose although they might be beholden to three posts they've selected that one out of 10 deals that came to them mm. and at least they're in control of their affiliation affiliations yeah but I, but
4: then I, when i look at certain um, influences and i think but obviously that's, yeah i think I, that's rare and I, yeah
1: and i, ha- I had the burgeoning sh- ones yeah Can and i, I
2: just
1: say sh- sorry i've worked on both sides of it right yeah, yeah and one one experience that i always think is quite interesting I was once working for a very credible magazine and I'd written some copy for them. I wrote a piece and put in a bunch of products and I was very specific. They were asking me what I liked. I wasn't just saying these products fit into this category. I was saying, I love X, Y, Z. And when the copy came out, they'd completely changed all the products for advertiser products. Uh, And I remember thinking, bloody hell, that's shocking. Then, so I know I'm not an enormous influencer, but I... I'm approached by brands to work with them. And Mm. I have today said no to two brands, even Mm. though, of course, I need the money. I would love the money, but they're not the right fit. And I would be compromising what I've spent years trying to build up. So although Mm. it would be nice to have that extra money, I think it comes down to, I always say this when people are saying, who should I follow? Who should I listen to? I'm always like, find the individual you trust. Forget who they're working for or what their brand name is or whatever. Mm. If you feel that someone's authentic, and I know authentic is a big buzzword at the moment, but if you Mm. actually feel that someone cares and has a message that you want to hear, then trust that person Yeah. until you don't trust them anymore. But trust that person because... You know, on both sides, people are having to navigate a very tricky situation. You're making money for something that is also giving yeah. advice, uh, and it's a really strange situation, actually. Yeah.
3: I guess at a magazine, it's money for the mag versus a person,
1: it's money for the person. Yeah, yeah.
3: I get turned down personally. <laughs> I get turned down for brand partnerships with bloggers as much as I do with magazines now. Do you? Yeah, yeah I do think I do think that the influencer sphere is much mm. more kind of discerning
1: about. Yeah,
3: who they work with well they almost
1: have to be because yeah. to survive they have to be now you can't just flog anything yeah, yeah. yeah. but I, but to
3: that point I think like you know a lot of them are like they know what they like and they know what their audience likes mm. and they know what they can talk about and feel good about talking about it um and it is much less like yeah sure i'll do it yeah okay cool whatever like i just don't think it's like that anymore
2: i think it's sort of like the old school strategy, yeah, strategy from all... no i don't know i just think that i
4: do look at certain influences and it's it sounds like that like, i'm really hating on the matter i don't no, as much yeah, yeah. i really love and follow but i think i've definitely seen influences where it's like um This this week, this lipstick is absolutely great, and like it's the best lipstick I've ever tried.
1: And then a week later, it's It's exactly the same post with a different lipstick. But but also, when they do that that with skincare, I'm like, for God's sake, like you can't change your skincare that often and actually
4: like it. That's when I think,
3: where is your authenticity, your
4: credibility?
3: Someone said something to me the other day that I just thought was so funny. She she was talking about how she's going to develop her Mm. magazine. She's a journalist, yeah, and she said. I'm not having 50 of the best anymore because how can there be 50 of the best? There is no 50 of the best. So it's like Mm. as much as Mads doesn't doesn't work with brands that don't work for her, you don't feature Mm. brands that don't work for you. And I think that across both sides, it's like, magazines have maybe led us up the garden path in some way yeah. over the years yeah. and that's why they ended up falling out of favour and, and bloggers are doing the same, you know, the engagement is not as it was ten years ago, they're but, not the go, the gospel that they but were But also yeah. writing yeah. for
1: SEO is really tricky isn't it? Yeah. Because people are sort it of going really the is. search engine wants this, therefore yeah. you have yeah. to do the yeah. best of this, the best yeah, yeah, yeah. of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well
3: exactly, yeah. it's like you know the things that do the, the best are like celebrities and advent calendars, I mean what? Yeah. surely, yeah. but that is what people are looking so for So what
1: do we all think the future of the beauty industry years and what's it going to look like in 10 years oh, to finish not i would that's say that's a million
4: dollar question i mean i yeah i don't know is the I, age oh, of instagram
1: is the age of instagram no. coming to a close no
4: I don't think it's going to last forever. I think it, it will just, just move be taken into over. Something yeah, else. it'll just be taken over like
2: by an. But I don't see why it would be not Instagram. I just think they will develop to suit whatever the next wave. The problem
1: is. is, I think people want more, more, more. Right? So but it started want off,
2: following, and if you've yeah. got a following on Instagram, you're not going to leave it to use another platform and start from zero.
1: But then everyone.
4: But I just. I don't know I just always look at like when I was at uni but even Facebook now is massively falling out of favour with so many people and like my MySpace is yeah. dead and yeah. that was like the but Facebook one. was never
2: monetised your profile yeah. was for social reasons it wasn't for money yeah. so mm. if you left it and started another one and you started from scratch with no friends it didn't matter mm. if you leave Instagram and start from scratch with no followers that's financially relevant I do yeah, think
3: yeah, though I just don't Instagram think sustainable Instagram friends. is not that's not your data they're not your followers if Instagram decides to shut down your profile your, yeah, your no, actual no, no, money's totally. gone and yeah. so that's
2: like, is, is it? but is there going to be a profile that doesn't do that? no because it's but a
1: blog's dead yeah. in the water really is the thing because it's yeah, like yeah. a lot of bloggers use Instagram more than blogs yeah. now yeah. Yeah. at the same time you own a blog You do, well, to an extent you know you don't own Instagram it's, it's weird isn't that?
4: yeah but isn't TikTok now fast becoming the biggest platform that's set to overtake
3: Instagram I just think
1: and it's trans like
3: um not trans-seasonal. Trans, <laughs> like, basically because you don't speak in it, really. Yeah. yeah. So it works globally in a way that, I'm like... Sure that's going to be pretty limited in, for, like, Well, like beauty, beauty. tutorials. You know, Some people are watching you record, rather it. than listening to yeah. you. Yeah. And actually, that's why...
4: I just think yeah. nothing lasts forever.
1: Isn't that famous? <laughs> oh, Purdy. <laughs> what a sad <laughs> indictment to end the podcast <laughs> on.
4: I didn't mean okay. like that, but I just think I will be shocked... Uh, and on a level I would be disappointed if we haven't thought of where's the innovation like where's the next like bigger and better yeah. thing I think it would be think interesting it's dead in 15 years it will be
2: interesting to be like Instagram. post <laughs> that it's like first influencer generation with that hindsight of like oh that's so weird that we did that then like considering now yeah because like it is the first decade where this has been a thing. We don't yeah. have the history to re- be able to reflect on it, whereas magazines,
4: yeah. like,
2: although this is maybe the first decade where they've like died a death. Mm. Like, they've been around for so long, we've seen them progress. Like,
4: mm.
2: we do haven't had the Do you think magazines next...
1: will fight back? No. Oh, I don't. I just... I, I, I love magazines. I, I love, love, love reading magazines. them, but they're, they're
2: not a sustainable product. Like, InStyle closed and it had never made a product in, uh, profit, in profit in 15 yeah. years.
4: Do you think that all of them will go though
2: No. I think they'll reduce their circulation and how often they are. But I think they'll become more like collectors books, like items that you would invest in maybe twice a year. And
1: what about online magazines?
2: But what is it an online magazine? Well, like kind of, kind of, a
1: yeah. you mean like digital? digital yeah, for, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a better term. What, like
2: reading a magazine on an iPad? Yeah. No, like no, what you like, do. like, <laughs> like, like your that? job, yeah, but man, that's not an online magazine. It's a website. <laughs> right, yeah, that's what I mean. This is the issue. Don't call we it an online magazine. Guys. It's yeah. a website. I haven't had I any. Haven't had a lot of wine.
1: <laughs> like, okay, all right, fine. Um, is there anything we haven't mentioned that you want to talk about? I just about? really
3: wanted to
4: say quickly when you asked me about bugbears, about the beauty industry, my main gripe is particularly and this is with fashion brands as well but being hashtag I'm a feminist and then you know for example you then don't pay women proper uh, mat leave right money. I was going to say because seeing the other side of so it a a yeah. yeah so I just think the whole lip service thing that's very prevalent in the beauty industry it's like we will uplift women we support women and on one sense I think that's absolutely brilliant but on the other sense it's like the work isn't being done behind the scenes completely
1: I had that with mental health as well where I was like look like I'm an agoraphobe so sometimes I'm kind of fine and sometimes mm. I'm a bit mm. worse off yeah. Um, sometimes I can't necessarily come into an office, and everyone was like, "Oh, that's great. We really support mental health, but you'll have to come in every day." Yeah. And
4: it was like, yeah. "What?" Yeah. 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 I think that for me is a big yeah. problem with the beauty yeah. industry. I think that as much as we are making strives in like diversity and inclusion, sometimes it can feel a bit lip service. Yeah. And that's not because the good intentions aren't there, but I think like the strategies, particularly from brands, aren't very well thought out. Yeah.
1: Well, I want to thank you all very much for oh, coming on. Uh, is this the outro? Yeah. What are we going to do?
2: Should it's we... a podcast outro. a song, okay, doing, doing, on. okay. three. Three. One, two, three. The
3: beautiful last podcast. I can't
2: believe it. Okay, One,
1: two, three. The, the beautiful, beautiful lights Oh, do you know what this sounds a bit like? <laughs> like that, I die. That, that bit in <laughs> bit like that bit in Annie when they all sing together, but not as good. But you know, it's weird. Yeah, know, the bit where they go I-O-D-E-N-T. Oh! So, da comfortable
2: doing that one. Da 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 are never fully
0: dressed